0: Well, have you all ever heard of addition by subtraction? I want to vote on something this morning. I vote that all these kids join the choir and me and Dale will leave the choir. <laughs> and that's what we would call addition by attraction. So, do I have a motion? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. I've got a couple of announcements this morning. We are having our first global missions meeting and I. Uh, we signed up for that a long time ago. There's like 12 names on there, but if you didn't sign up, come to the meeting. It's gonna be short, it's gonna be 20 minutes. I say short, sometimes I'm excited about Global missions, so it might go longer than 20 minutes, and if that happens, I'm sorry. But we're gonna meet in the um, choir room. I was gonna have lunch, I dropped the ball, things got busy, sorry, you'll be hungry maybe, but we'll be out of here by one o'clock, I promise that. So. That will be in the choir room immediately after church. And uh, last night we went to Middletown. Remember Jared Davis came here and he preached and he has a church plant in Middletown. And 25 of us went up to Middletown and sat amongst his people there. And uh, we sang together and we prayed together and we worshiped together. And it uh, it was a really good experience. And It it sort of solidified our partnership, I think. I think the people here are excited about what he's doing there, and I think he's excited that we're excited, and it's, it's just sort of contagious. So last night was really good. And I am gonna make people stand up right now, and I'm sorry for that, but I want to encourage Sunday school, and I'm not gonna ask people to stand up so we can pat ourselves on the back for coming to Sunday school, but if you come to Sunday school on a habitual basis, please stand up. And I'm doing this, because I want the people that don't come to Sunday school to look around and not, we're not praising people that are coming to Sunday school, but hopefully some of these faces are familiar faces to you. And this is an encouragement. If you want to really feel like this is a church family, it is a church family, but Sunday, if you come to Sunday school, I, I, love, I love Sunday school and I love Wednesday nights. Y'all can sit down. I, ho- I hope you see a familiar face. The, the whole purpose of that was, oh, I know Lois. She goes to Sunday school. I really like her. I would like to sit next to her in Sunday school as we learn together. That was the point of that. So if you're not coming to Sunday school, you're missing out. And uh, I have a little plug for Wednesday nights in the sermon, so I'm not going to ruin that yet. But uh, there's a lot of good things going on here. we're, we're And Rodney said we're going to go places. Well, we are going to go places and we're going to decide where we're going uh, starting today. Uh, not only are we going to go Overseas places, but we're going to go out. We're going to go to Middletown. We're going to go to Petersburg. We're going to go right next door. We went. We knocked on doors the other day, just right around this church. We went. Well, where did we go? We went to Bellevue. That's where we went. So, go went. I messed that up, but that's okay. Okay. Sermon on the Mount. I did not give Anne any notes for the bulletin, and I'm sorry for that for everybody. But um, I'm going to go ahead and summarize the sermon before I even start. God is for us. Um, I had this all mapped out in my head. That's why I put these notes in here for myself. God is for us. He wants good for us. And he outlines, he outlines in scripture everywhere how he wants us to live, what he does want us to do and what he does not want us to do. And he is, God is for us is not the, it's not the punchline I had. I all planned this out this morning in my mind and my mind is weak sometimes, but that's okay. We'll summarize it in a minute. I'll I'll get it back in a second. So, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Uh, I meant to recap what we've been learning. We've been learning in the Sermon on the Mount about praying and giving and fasting in the last three weeks. So we're not to do these things for our own self-righteousness. We're supposed to do them uh, as a a way to please the Father, as a way to glorify the Father in secret. We're not supposed to boast about the things that we're doing. Um, And that's what we've been learning the last three weeks. Uh, th- these next sequence of verses from Jesus, Jesus is warning us not to put too much focus on money and other earthly treasures. This goes all the way against our American way of life because our, our focus from childhood is, what am I going to do when I grow up? And, and, and some, of us, some of us do good things for the right reasons, but uh, in my life it was, how can I make as much money as possible you know, and, and, and live a comfortable life? That's sort of the American way, you know, white picket fence, big fancy house, Storing up treasures, creating a kingdom for ourselves, And that's what Jesus tells us exactly not to do in, in this passage. So Jesus says, you cannot serve God and money. So let's dive in here and learn more. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34, and I am in the ESV version. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your word, and we're grateful that you give us such clear direction to not be anxious and worry too much about the things of this world, and you you warn us to not store up treasures on this earth because uh, they will be destroyed by rust and thieves, and, and you have given us a kingdom to be a part of, and that kingdom is the only kingdom. We don't need to create kingdoms here on this earth for ourselves. So, just allow us to learn from this message today and to be sanctified and and to uh, glorify you and everything that we do uh, this this morning at this church service. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So nineteen through twenty one says, do not lay up treasures for you do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys. And where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will also be will be also jesus is calling every time i mess up i think of mark and elizabeth because they said every time you mess up you go back and you fix it how something I, could, I try to because i mess up a lot but jesus is calling us to be different than the culture we live in so i'm sure you all have felt the pressure of the american culture to Hoard money and work for mo- work hard as you can to be as rich as you can and be as happy as you can. Well, it doesn't seem like all it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of happiness floating around if you if you just kind of pay attention. But Jesus is calling us to be different than the culture we are in. At the time of of Jesus speaking this, he was warning people not to be like the Pharisees when giving and praying and fasting. So that was the last three weeks. He's it's a warning against self righteousness. Now he's warning people not to be like the pagans, focusing solely on creating treasures for themselves and and doing some of the things that we see in in the culture that we live in. Just, Just solely focused on security and financial wealth. Saving for the future is not forbidden in the Bible. We should be saving for the future, but we shouldn't put all our hope in our retirement plans and, and and our retirement age. And what do I mean by putting all your hope in retirement age? I'll give a couple of examples. In this culture, we work and we work and we work and we strive and we strive and we strive to save and save and save to build this portfolio of financial security we want so badly to stop working at a certain age 60 65 that's the goal like let's let's get this we'll, we'll put in the time now so later we can we can live the good life you know and it, like i said it's a wise thing to save for the future and there are plenty of examples in scripture of, of saving for the future but we do not need to substitute our joy now for future joy we do not need to make the whole purpose of our life work so that one day we can be secure and comfortable. That's what Jesus is. He does not want us to do that. We need to live our lives right now. We do not need to sacrifice everything now for our lives when we are sixty-five or seventy. So, with that said, we we all are guilty of this in a sense. So, I want this is a this is an interaction piece. What are some things you are looking forward to in retirement age? And let's be honest. Let's say fishing is one. That's my example. Everybody wants to. F- Let's go fishing when we're retired. All right, give me, give me some other ones. You, say again. Go to the beach. All right, what else? Travel. What do you got, Tucker? You don't know anything about retirement, son. You haven't even worked yet. But go ahead. What do you want to do? That's one. Yep. Animal rescue. You don't have to raise your hand. Just holler it out. Mission trips. family time. So we've got all these things in our mind, golfing, fishing, animal rescue, all these things that we think, oh, I can't wait till I'm done working so I can, you know, we're slaving away at the office thinking about, man, I wish I could go golfing. Well, go golfing about three days in a row. and, And you'll think to yourself, I am terrible at golf. And I am blasting through all of my money to do this. And I'm not good. And it's actually causing me to sin. I am fussing and cussing i'm shanking i'm shanking the ball and and, you know i just bought this ball sleeve of balls is like 15 dollars and there it went you know and next thing you know you got to go back to work anyway so that this is not a good these aren't good plans is what i'm saying but we all we i am guilty of this myself or i definitely have been in the past and jesus doesn't want us to live this way so jesus didn't have time for retirement He was nailed to a cross at 33 years old. He did not have a 401k. He did not have a beach house in Charleston. He had purpose on this earth, and we do too. And our purpose is not to build a kingdom for ourselves. We are part of the kingdom of God, and that is a great kingdom to be a part of, so our lifestyle should represent that kingdom and not this earthly kingdom that we try to create. This is me raking in money. When I do this, I'm talking about money, I'm I'm raking it in. Has anybody read the book, Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper? Anybody read that book? Nobody. I have a copy of it if you want to read it. I might have two copies of it. But in the book, he talks about a couple named Bob and Penny. And I think he read this article in Reader's Digest. And Bob and Penny were successful folks by worldly standards. They had money. They were able to retire at 59 years old. And John Piper read this article about them. And he said that uh, Bob and Penny's focus, and of course, at the time, Reader's Digest glorifies this as a great success, you know. Bob and Penny were able to retire. Bob and Penny's plan was to buy a 30-foot yacht or some fancy boat, and they were gonna go down to Florida or one of these places, and they they were gonna have this elaborate seashell collection, and they were gonna golf, and they were gonna do all these things. And Piper made the point that this was wasting the best years of your life on things that aren't important, important. So they're financially stable, and their plan is to go relax basically, until they die. And they we don't know Bob and Penny. Maybe they had better plans than what the article says. But the point is, Piper goes on to tell a story about two women named Ruby and Laura. R- Laura. Ruby was a nurse that was single her, her entire life, and Laura was a medical doctor. And the two decided in retirement to partner together uh, in their golden years, and their re- their retirement plan was this: to make Jesus Christ known among the sick and the poor in the hardest and most unreached places. So these people were people that John Piper knew. They, I think I think they were part of his church. So they want to go to a difficult place, and they chose Cameroon, Africa. And I think I think at the time of their death, they were around 80 years old. Um. So their purpose was to magnify the name of Jesus in a faraway land. So they were traveling around, they were doing the work in Cameroon one day. Uh, in their traveling, the brakes went out and they, they drove off a cliff and they died. And pa- Piper says in the book, he asked the question, was this a tragedy that, that, they, were, that they went there and, and they died at this age? Uh, what do you, do you consider that a tragedy? And I'll ask you all that. Do you, think, do you, do you view that as a tragedy? John Piper's answer is no. My answer is no. And I hope that you're all's answer is no. Piper goes on to say that the real tragedy is that we would spend our lives gathering funds to create a kingdom for ourselves that is going to rust away. Like I said, if we chew, we, we live, we work and work and work and we sort of make our lives miserable now to, in hopes that it's going to be good later, that we can golf. We already know what's going to happen. You golf three days in a row. You're going to quit golfing. You're going to run out of money, and we get it. So the real tragedy is that we would live this way, that we would live for this future pleasure, this kingdom that we're trying to create for ourselves. So that was Piper's point. Don't waste your life. That's the point of the whole book. Don't waste your life. He, said, he quotes in the book, and that's where, I, uh, that's where I fell in love with this quote, and that, this is what caused me to start uh, reading about C.T. Studd. The missionary devoted his whole life to to missions, and he said, "Only one life; it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last." I I first read that in this book. Don't waste your life. Only one life; it will soon be over, and only what's done for Jesus will matter. So, we could end the sermon here, but it's only eleven forty-five, so we're not going to. We're going to try to. We're aiming for twelve. So, (laughs) verses twenty-two and twenty-three: the eyes, the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So our vision is how we perceive everything around us. We see with our eyes. But in, uh, in Jewish literature, the eye and the heart were often spoken about together. So when we, when we speak about the eye, we need to, we're also analyzing our heart We're considering our heart in these things. And what the Scripture is saying here is that our eye and our heart and our whole body should be focused on the kingdom of God and storing up treasures in heaven rather than on earth. If our eyes and our heart are not focused on living for Christ, then we are focusing on ourselves. And that's what Jesus is telling us not to do. So verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So I ask you the question: Where are you laying your treasures up—in heaven or on earth? And where are we fixing our eyes and our hearts? Because it's not Earth is not our home. I almost cheated, uh, and and I have I have this sermon written in another format, and I've already I've already spoken it here, I think. But I wrote it for for the Australia trip, and I thought I think I already have something written that pretty much says this exact same thing. Where earth is not our home. Heaven is our home. That's where we're laying up our treasures. So we need to, our lives should glorify God so that He is pleased by us when we enter the gates of heaven. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what it means by laying up treasures in heaven. We're not living for this earth. We're living for heaven. So we cannot serve money and God simultaneously. And we cannot be living for this world and the kingdom of God At the same time here's my wednesday night plug it's coming y'all ready for it wednesday nights we're meeting here at uh seven o'clock at the church and we've been studying the book of proverbs and this is a shameless plug for wednesday nights if you're not coming to wednesday nights come to wednesday nights please they're great can i get amen on the people that come at wednesday night thank you this past wednesday night we were talking about uh, we were in proverbs chapter five where we discussed warnings against adultery we've been talking about adultery here too much And uh, I'm glad we're done with that for now, but uh, I think chapter 6 is about adultery too, now that I think about it. Mm, it's a shame. Okay, um, but it goes on to tell us how we should be committed to our spouse and only our spouse. And chapter 5 of the book of Proverbs also tells us that uh, it says, let your wife's breast fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. So if you missed this past Wednesday, you really missed a good one. It was a it was quite provocative for a church setting. So come on down Wednesday night at seven o'clock. Okay, we all enjoyed having a laugh at me getting through the talk about all that. So, but the point of me bringing up the book of Proverbs is chapter one of the book of Proverbs tells us about the wise, the simple, and the fool. And the wise are people that are all in with God, living for the kingdom. And of course, wise folks sin all the same, but they're but they're they're being sanctified. They're living right in the sight of God as the wise person. The simple is half in, half out. They've got one foot. They've got one foot in the kingdom of God, and they've got one foot in this world right here. And the fool is not involved with God in any way. They are no interest. So um, we can be here in this building and be simple. We can be half in and half out. The hope is to be wise we want to be all in with god well the fool is at home laying in bed i hope none of you all are fools we might be simple at times but a simple person is not here at the moment so we need to be wise we need to go all in with god and that i say all that to make the point of uh if we're if we're living wisely then we are storing our treasures in heaven so again we're going to continue the proverb study on wednesday nights come to wednesday nights No one can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. So point number one for today is this. Jesus wants us to worship Him and only Him. We do not need to spend too much time overanalyzing our lives and our situations in this world. Our focus needs to be on the kingdom of God. Verses 25 through 34, I'm going to read them again. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. We need to hear this. We are riddled with anxiety. I I struggle with it myself at times. But therefore, I tell you this, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That could be our summary statement for the whole day. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So anxious, anxiety, think about these words. How often do we hear them? How often do we feel them? Our nation is riddled with anxiety and Jesus is telling us to not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about your life. Don't worry about what, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? That's on our mind a lot, I think. But don't be anxious about your body and what you put on. He then goes on to say, does being anxious add any time to your life? And, and as I think about anxiety, anxiety creates stress and stress kills people in this country and across the world. We get anxious and when then we get stressed out. And and, and and this anxiety, he says, does being anxious add any time to your life? No, it takes time away from your life. Anxiety can kill, it can kill. It takes time away from you. So we, we think, oh, I'm gonna worry about this thing a year from now, a month from now. This has taken time away from you and it's taken your ability to be present away from you also. So anxiety creates stress in our lives, and stress creates anxiety, and it's just a never-ending cycle. When I was 22 or so, I can't remember. Heather's not in here. I was going to ask her. From 22 to 25, I started having panic attacks. I don't know why. I really wasn't worried about much anything. I just, I I don't know. I don't know what happened. It just started. I just started feeling nervous at nighttime. I'd lay down to go to sleep, and I'd feel my heart just racing. And that Again, I wasn't sitting around worried like, oh my gosh, I'm not making enough money. Oh my gosh, I'm not doing this or doing that. I'm not at an appropriate life stage or whatever. It just, it would hit me. It was like, a it, maybe it was like a chemical imbalance in my body or something maybe, and my heart would just start racing. I became anxious about anxiety. I really had nothing to worry about, but I would feel this physical anxiety in my body. So when it started happening, then i you know at times of peace i was like "Hmm, wonder when that's going to happen again i didn't ask for it to happen the first time but it did wonder when that's coming and then all of a sudden for three years i'm an anxious mess because of physical anxiety i had nothing like uh i hated my job maybe that was part of it looking back but uh i didn't like the situation i i was in and maybe subconsciously that that created anxiety in me but I would feel these, I would have these panic attacks at nighttime. And one night I was looking, I was still on auto trader back then. I remember I was looking at a car, Camaro or something, just wasting time, goofing off, building up kingdom for myself is what I was doing. And God probably gave me the anxiety. said, look, boy, I'm going to make you, I'm going to give you something to worry about. Here, try this on. And I'm sitting on the couch and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm having a heart attack. Heather, something's going on. This ain't right. And I call, I was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, I've never had one. I don't know. Call the ambulance. So the ambulance shows up. I get in ambulance. Ambulance. Of course, they think I'm on drugs. What kind of drugs have you been taking? I'm like, I haven't had any drugs today. <laughs> I hadn't had drugs in previous days either. But I was just like, I i didn't take any drugs. I had, in. as I look back, I was upstairs in the upstairs area painting. Uh, I might have been high on paint, honestly. I, I really, who's, who's to know? But they asked me, they are like, what kind of drugs are you taking? I'm like, I'm not. They're like, what do you feel like? I said, you see that telephone pole over there? I feel like I could run through it right now. And they're like, okay. They take me to the hospital. They hook me up to the BP things. They, I sit there for a while. They gave me some water my heart finally, my heart rate was like 150. It went from whatever my resting heart rate was like 75 beats per minute, it went to 150 for no reason whatsoever other than maybe the paint and the Camaro, I don't really know. <laughs> but I went to the ambul- I went to the hospital, that cost me like $1,500 for, nut- for just for a 10 mile ambulance ride. Anyways, I'm getting off point. I didn't have anything to be anxious about, yet I had anxiety and I don't know what triggered it, but now I don't have that. I might I feel my my I think I still have heart palpitations sometimes, but I just got over it. I feel them; they'll skip, and I'm like, huh? Well, okay, carry on. I think they're harmless, probably, but I don't fear. I don't fear. I don't I'm not in control of that anyway, so I don't, I don't, I don't fear these things. So these these uh, verses about anxiety give me great hope that that Jesus tells us um, he tells us not to be anxious. He's got everything under control. Uh, and And if it was him speaking today, he would say, I believe, if he was standing right here right now, he would say, I've got everything under control, so do not worry, okay? And a cheesy way of saying that is, do not fear, Jesus is here. And I want you all to say that right now. Do not fear, Jesus is here. We can be louder than that. Do not fear, Jesus is here. Now that's cheesy, but it's true, okay? And this is good news. We don't need to worry about the things that we worry about. What will we eat? What we will drink? Especially, what will we eat 30 years from now? What will we drink 30 years from now? We don't need to worry about these things. We need to plan for the future. There is nothing wrong with planning for the future, but it says don't be anxious about tomorrow. Plan for tomorrow. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. That, two different things. So the question is in all this, do you trust him? If he says, "I've got everything under control," trust me, but we still get anxious and worry about all these things. Well, do you really trust him? Do you trust him enough not to worry about the things that he tells you not to worry about? Do you trust him? That's the real question. And th- and I hope I hope you I hope you're able to take that question home today for the next week or month or year. Do I trust him? He tells me not to be anxious, but I'm anxious. Mess, do I trust what he's telling me? And if if I don't, it's because probably I've created this kingdom on this earth that I have to sustain. And most of our anxiety, if you really analyze yourself, most of our anxiety comes not from the kingdom of God. Really, that shouldn't give us any anxiety. Our anxiety is coming from the kingdom that we've created for ourselves. Oh my gosh, I've got that seven hundred dollar truck payment coming up, and I don't have any money. You created that problem for yourself a little. You're, you've got this kingdom on this earth that's given you anxiety because it's not the direction God wants you to go. Verse 34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I love that line. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. A lot of times for us, our lives are so easy that we don't have to focus too much on today. When when we're in you go to a third world world country, those folks have to find food for themselves for that day. They don't there's no refrigerators in their house. They have to oh, today's goal is to not be hungry by tonight. That is the goal. We don't have that. Most there are maybe some people in this country that have that, but for the most part we don't have that. So, when we don't have to focus too much on our daily needs, then we get consumed by our weekly needs, our monthly needs, our decades-in-the-future needs because we don't have to necessarily focus on our daily needs. Our daily needs were taken care of years ago. So. With the money that we've saved, well, we've got plenty of money for groceries, so we we don't we don't have the stress and anxieties of of focusing on our daily needs the way that other people do other people do sometimes, and when we start to focus too far in advance, we don't have the answers to the questions that we have. Where am I going to be in ten years? What what should I be doing in ten years? Again, that these are these, these areas are where the anxieties come from. Jesus tells us lovingly here. He says, "I've given you today." Use, use today the best you can and don't worry about tomorrow. That's, that's the line. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It says, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Plan for the future. Don't worry about the future. Be consumed by the day that you're in is what he's saying. I'm going to say something that's going to sound very, very elementary to many of the folks here, but it might be new news to someone here Jesus is God, and Jesus is the one speaking these things in Matthew, in the book of Matthew. It went from Jesus' mouth to Matthew's ear, to Matthew's hand. He wrote it down, and it was recorded for us to read today. We are hearing directly from God in these verses. Jesus is God, okay? And this is good news. And God is saying, I am God. You are not. Your money is not God. Your love for this world is not God. I am God. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is God. Matthew recorded it. We're reading it. We're talking about it right now. And I just, sometimes that sounds so elementary and simple. Sometimes as we mature in our faith, we forget. We forget some of these simple things that, well, it's not simple, it's profound. Je- Jesus is talking directly to us in written form right now. I wish, you know, we often think, I wish I could hear clearly from God. Well, we. You have heard clearly from him for the last 30 minutes. He, he said it out of his mouth, and his buddy Matthew recorded it, and now we're reading it 2,000 years later. You're hearing from God right here. We don't, don't think, wish God was giving me direction. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Live for my kingdom and not your kingdom. That's God talking. It's not me talking. He wrote it down. I'm just reading it. So this is good news. He's also saying this, you don't get to decide how long you will live or where you will go or what you will do. And when I say that, we might be thinking, well, I get to decide where I where I live and where I go and what I do. You didn't choose to be born where you were and you're not gonna get to choose uh, where you are or when you die. So do you really get to choose these things or is God in control? I believe that God is in control. We, we make temporary decisions uh, for ourselves from time to time, but God will put you exactly where He wants you, whether you like it or not. And if you end up somewhere that you're not supposed to be, your life, I'm telling you, it will become miserable in a hurry if you don't uh, seek godly wisdom in your decisions to go somewhere. I have felt that uh, in my life before, so heed that warning. God is God and we are not, and none of this is bad news. This is good news. Can I get an amen on that one? We went up to Middletown last night and they were amen and everything. Amen. God tells us not to worry because He's got us. That was my that was my focus. He's got us. Let's say He's got us. God's got us, okay? Don't worry about your money and your clothes and all that. We need to worry about our money and our clothes and that we want to wear clothes, okay? Everybody put on clothes before you come to church. That would be greatly appreciated. Now I think everybody here has got them on. So uh, that's good news. God's got us. Don't worry about tomorrow. God has got us. Verse 34 doesn't say, and I already touched on this, it doesn't say don't plan for tomorrow. It says don't be anxious about tomorrow. And there's a big difference there. We need to plan. God wants us to be, uh, our time and our money is a resource given to us by God. We, our work that we, we don't need to view the things that we have as I, I got that. I, I, my job, my job filled my bank account full. Well, God's decision to plant you. To, to, that you would be born here in this country, where mon- we're the maybe I don't know the statistics. We're one of the richest, if not the richest, country in the world. You didn't choose that. So God chose that for you. He He gave you the resources uh, that you have. So and and our time is a resource. We we don't need to be anxious about these things. We need to use them for God's glory and for the glory of the kingdom of God. Our resources our resources and time are a gift from God, not a result of our work, okay? So we need to honor God with our resources and time, but do not, here's, here's another big punch here, do not make your resources and your time your God. And that's what Jesus is saying. You cannot worship both God and money. Money is not God. Money is a resource for you to use for the kingdom of God. So honor God with your money. God is God and we are not. That was another one I wanted you all to say. God is God and I am not. There you go. And this is good news because God's got us and He loves us. God is in control. And once we start to realize that, if you've never felt the peace of God in your life, once you really start to believe that God is God and He is in control of things, and you, and you take his, his Word and don't be anxious about things that you can't control anyways, I'm spitting I'm spitting gum out of my mouth. I don't even know why I have gum in my mouth. God is in control. and once you realize that you're not in control, well suddenly your life, there's profound peace in your life. Has anybody felt that? I have felt that. If you actually believe that God is who He says He is, well no longer do you fear, fear death. You get to live with God when you die. Death is death is the greatest, it's really the greatest celebration in a Christian's life. That's the day that the per- that a person gets to leave this blackened world and go live with God forever. That is not a bad thing. That is a good thing. And once you realize that, how much peace do you have in your life? I'm not going to worry about tomorrow because sufficient is the day today. You know, I don't need to ruin my life with anxiety and stress trying to keep the kingdom that I've built for myself. And most of our kingdoms aren't good, anyways. <laughs> you know, we we build this these hobbies and habits that most of the time aren't even good if we're not if we're not focused on the Lord. So, God's telling us just live for Me, and 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 be uh, be a what's the word I'm looking for ambassador. Be an ambassador for My Kingdom. Tell people about Me. And you will feel that peace that he talks about over and over and over. Do not be anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So let's try to live that way. Take, go home and I don't want to say go home and burn your kingdom down. We'll all burn our own houses down, but don't do that. You gotta live somewhere. But focus less on your own personal wants. And let's focus on what God wants for our lives. And he, God's got all of us. If we trust Him and we believe in Him and we understand that He is our Lord and Savior, once we start, that's, that, that Savior part's easy. God, thank you. Thank you. You, you give us salvation at the cross. You died. You were, you, were, you were killed, crucified. You were buried. You rose into heaven. And you've given us the Holy Spirit. That's the Savior part. The Lordship part's a lot harder. It's Following God is the Lordship part. We know thank God saves us. Yep. And then He tells us how to live. And taking that direction from the Lord, is, is, it took me, it's still, it's still I'm a work in progress, but it took me three years or so after salvation to realize, oh, I'm still doing plenty of stuff that he, against what He's telling me. To do um, so, that lordship part is, is a lot, uh, a lot more challenging than the savior part. So, but he's our Lord and Savior. He wants us to do exactly what he tells us to do, and he's telling us not to be anxious, and he's telling us not to make money our god, and he wants us to feel the peace that he provides. So, I just want to pray for us uh, before we leave here. I got close. I went a little over. I'm sorry. I want to pray for us. I want to invite anybody that that doesn't feel that peace, that doesn't understand yet that Jesus is God. I know I said that would be an elementary thing to some, but it might be new news to somebody. So if that somebody is you, come forward and let's talk about it. Um, come to Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. The reason I like a Wednesday night or a Sunday school is because when you're just sitting in this building listening to me talk, uh, you only get to hear me. But if you come to Wednesday night or you come to a Sunday morning, you get to hear Joy's heart. You get to hear Steve's heart. You get to hear the people that you're here with. You you get to hear what's on their mind. And like I said in Ruth, uh, Ruth analyzes scripture in a way that I don't. I, I do, but just she, she everybody has different skill sets. And uh, I'm not a real deep in the weeds guy. I'm like a I'm like a—I don't know what I am. I'm like a lawnmower. I'm cutting all the bushes down. I don't know what I am, but—but—but but, but the point is, we all do things a little different. So to sit in a room and hear people's uh, the way that they're analyzing these things is—it's a great blessing. So I encourage you, if you—if you're not coming to either Wednesdays or Sunday mornings uh, before church, come come to those things. And if you have questions about salvation, or if you have questions about Uh, anxiety. If you you say, I'm the most anxious person I know, well, let's talk about it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that you have given us the resource of your word because there are plenty of places that don't have it and you speak to us directly through it. And I can't imagine how much peace I wouldn't have if I couldn't just open up the book and read that you tell me not to be anxious, and if I trust you, which I do, and I feel anxiety in my body, then I know that I'm not leaning on you the right way, and I'm probably focusing more on my own kingdom than your kingdom. And and I I'm able at that point to hit the reset button, and that's only because of your word. And you left it with us to read. You left it you left it with us. You came. You are the word. You came so that so that we would know you. And uh, I'm just grateful that that you've made it so abundantly clear how you want us to live and I just I pray that if anybody decides this morning that they want to start living for your kingdom and not their own kingdom that they would come forward and ask some questions about that and um, I just want to praise uh, the baptism we had last week and that was that was such a treat so I know you're doing uh, miraculous things in this church and in our lives and uh, in Jared Davis's life in Middletown, and I'm just grateful for that partnership there. And Please bless the meeting that we have coming up uh, about global missions. We want to go and serve your people everywhere because you told us to do that, and we're living for your kingdom, and uh, that's one way that we're going to do it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.